Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you being here this morning. We're glad you're in the house of God. And thank you, Pastor Omar, our worship leader over here. And a tremendous time. I'm going to just sense the presence of God here. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that today, and we're glad you're here. Again, we're looking forward. I know it's going to be a little warm out there, uh, but there's a lot of food. There's a lot of cotton asada, a lot of chicken going on, and I think you want to eat first, okay? So uh, they're going to be there. I think some guys are there already, secured the spot, and we're under lots of shade. And it'll be a lot of fun. And so we, uh, if you want to be a part of that, again, it's at the Holladale Park uh, today. And uh, we're going to have a great, great time uh, on our Labor Day picnic. So we, we're starting a new series. And people have been asking me, what do you mean keeping score? And what we're talking about and what we're going to be talking about this month is when we lose, when we keep count. In other words, this is a series where many times we want to keep tally or we want to keep score of what people do for us and what we do for them. You ever met somebody like that? You do for me, I do for you. You don't do for me, I don't do for you. Or you ever been around someone that says, well, I did this for you and now you owe me this? These are people that are keeping score. And I know it doesn't apply to anybody here this morning, but I'm just going to kind of bring it out. Or you offended me, and so I'm keeping count of how many times you've offended me. Or I gave this, and you're keeping count of how many gifts you gave them versus what they gave you. And this is what we want to talk about this month, about not keeping score. Because lots of times, that's what we do. That's what the religious people did when Jesus came. They always kept score of their good deeds. They kept score of the good things. And the Lord began to really kind of erase all of that and not for us to keep score let that be in the hands of God. Is that all right? In the sovereignty of God. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord today to help us as we dive into this message. I'm going to talk about a subject that's going to really kind of rock you. Is that all right? Can I just talk about something that's going to rock you a little bit? And you may not want to hear it, but I believe it'll help you, and I believe it'll help every single person in this building, including myself. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that your word is true, that your word is powerful. And I pray today, God, you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive the word. Wherever state of mind, whatever state of heart that people are in right now, Lord, you know every individual in this building, you know where they're at in their state of heart and mind. I pray that the word of God would speak into their lives. I pray for the anointing of God as I declare your word and let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And so I'm going to talk about unforgiveness. Is that all right? And one of the greatest places that you can go in London, if you've ever been there, I've only been there one time, it's a place called the Tower of London. And the Tower of London is an incredible structure. It was founded in the 11th century. And it was built as a fortress. It was a royal palace and a prison. 
And really, it was kind of a, whole, uh, a prison for high-profile prisoners, really uh, political prisoners and people that had did things, or royal prisoners, so to speak. And in the Tower of London is where they keep the crown Jews. And most of the time when you go visit there, they're emphasizing the beauty of this palace, the beauty of the Jews. In fact, I don't know if we could show a picture of the palace itself, kind of give you an idea of what it looks like. And it's just grand thing. I, I, boy, I didn't really come out that clear, as clear as I thought it would. But anyway, it's a lot more beautiful than what that picture is. We need to get a clearer picture of that in the next service. But uh, it's a really beautiful place. You can take it down. And in this particular uh, tower or this palace is what they have. They have a prison. And most of the time, people don't emphasize the prison. But actually, more than just the prison, it was a torture chamber. And people would go there, or they would put people there, and they would torture them. It was a terrible place. And I know it's going to sound gross, but they used to call some, uh, they used to have a torture tool called the rack. And I've used this illustration before. And I want you to kind of look at the rack. Go ahead and put the picture of the rack. And in this particular picture, they would put an individual on this rack, and they would begin to turn these knobs on each side and torture them to speak or to get them to say whatever they had to say or whatever secret they were holding. And if the person would not do that, they would continue to turn these uh, particular, where their hands were attached and their arms, and it would basically begin to de um, dislocate their limbs, uh, and they would uh, tear them apart. I know it sounds gross, but this is what people did in those days. It was an instrument of torture. In fact, you can take it down. In fact, the king many times, if he wanted to get someone to speak quickly, he would just take them down there to watch somebody being tortured, and immediately somebody said, I'm not going to go on that thing. And they would begin to confess everything that they needed to confess. It was a agony it was excruciating and we begin to think about who would ever want to go to a torture chamber who would ever willingly want to go to a torture chamber i mean if somebody said hey what do you want to do for your birthday hey put me on the rack nobody would want to do that right oh yeah put me on the rack for vacation nobody would want to do that doesn't make sense but yet there are many people even in this building because of unforgiveness you're in the torture chamber. You've chosen to be in the torture chamber of unforgiveness. In Matthew 18, 35, Jesus said this, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, that your heavenly Father will hand you over to the torturers. So in other words, Jesus is saying that there's lots of Christians that are living in the torture chamber. Basically, they're living in a place where because they will not forgive, they are torturing themselves. And I will say it this way. The number one sin for Christians is not, um, you know, it's not gossip. It's not some lying or lust or sexual sin. Many times when we think about the church, we think about all hypocrisy. I believe the greatest sin in the church today is unforgiveness. And the Lord says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. You're going to be handed over to the torture chamber. 
Now, I want you to answer this question just in your mind. Don't lift your hand, but let's be honest. How many of you right now have chosen not to forgive someone? Could be maybe a parent, maybe a close friend, maybe a teacher, maybe someone, a former spouse that you were married to, a son or a daughter, a co-worker, even a pastor. You are holding unforgiveness. Some of you say, why did I come to church today? <laughs> well, perhaps maybe you need to hear this message. But in Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus. And really, we're going to focus on Matthew 18. But Peter comes to Jesus, and he makes this statement. Peter said, Lord, how long shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? So Peter was coming to Jesus to see how many times he had to forgive his brother. The reason why Peter did that, because the rabbis during that time would tell people, you, you, all you need to do is to forgive them up to three times. And after the thir third time, you don't have to forgive them. That's what the rabbis were saying during that time. So Peter said, well, I'm going to double it. I'm going I'm to really impress Jesus. I'm going to tell him, hey, how many times? And I'm going to double it and then just kind of put one in there for good measure. So I'm going to say seven times. So he's kind of looking for commendation. He's looking for Jesus to commend him. But Jesus did not commend him. Jesus corrected him. And in verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now with Jesus saying to keep count, 490 times, and then 491 times, then you can go kill him and do whatever you want. No, that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was not saying keep count. Jesus was actually saying an unlimited number of times. Limitless. That's how you're supposed to forgive. Now, I want to be clear about forgiveness. Doesn't mean you forgive someone and you go right back to where you were. He's saying, don't hold a grudge and don't hold any hate in your heart toward that person. Now, let me read you a story because Jesus was really great and marvelous when it came to bringing out stories and showing illustration for you and I to learn from. And in Matthew 18, I'm going to read a number of verses here. Perhaps you've read the story, but I think it's a good reminder here. Jesus said this, for this reason, Jesus is now talking about this whole forgiveness issue. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle account with his slaves. And when he'd begun to settle them, they brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. This is an enormous amount of money. But since he did not have the money or the means to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and all that he had, and repayment to be made. Back then, if you're going to pay back, everybody paid the price, including your whole family. But the slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave uh, felt compassion. Look at the compassion coming from the king. He released him, what? And he forgave, that, forgave him of his debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. In other words, as soon as he got forgiven, he found somebody else, a co-laborer, somebody, a, a friend or another slave, and he began to hold him accountable for what he owed him. 
But he went out and he found him. He said he owed him only a hundred denarii, nothing compared to what he had owed. And he seized them, what? And began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him or beg him, have patience with me and I will repay you. He said the same statement. He was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they came and reported uh, everything. To the, uh, they reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, the Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you of all the debt because you entreated me or you begged me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, what, handed him over to the torturers. He should repay all that was owed to him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's pretty tough scripture, huh? Some of you avoid Matthew 18. I recommend you read it. Some of you have left, put an X on it. I won't read that chapter again. But we need to hear this, and I'm going to bring some clarity about forgiveness, and I'm going to bring some understanding. You have to understand the scripture that I read, and what I've said to you is what these are the words of Jesus. I'm not making them up. I'm just reading them to you. And so write this down. Unforgiving people have experienced hurt. Unforgiving people have experienced hurt. We're not denying that you have been hurt. We're not denying that when someone does something to you that you're experiencing some sort of hurt. So I'm going to read this story here, and I'm not going to go according. I'm I'm actually going to jump in the middle. I'm going to go to the end, and I'm going to go to the beginning because I want to bring out some progression of this unforgiving uh, person here. Unforgiving people, again, have experienced hurt. Verse 28 said, the slave went out, as soon as he got forgiven, he went out, found his fellow servant or fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii. And a hundred denarii, very interesting, a hundred denarii in today's time is basically a hundred days wages. So this guy owed him a hundred days wages. And so he was deeply offended because he owed him so much money and he wanted it back and the guy had not paid him back. And so it would be equal to, let's just say, uh, a lot of us today, if, if we, how many days of the year that we work, uh, not including weekends, if I calculated this right, it'd be 261 days a year. If you're working a full-time job, five days a week, 261 days a year. A hundred denarii would have been a hundred days of, your, of wages. So that means basically uh, almost 40% or 37% of what you make a year is what, how much this guy owed you. So if you just made $20,000, I know most of you make more than that, but let's just say $20,000, this guy would have owed you $7,600. Now, if you made $200,000 a year, this guy would have been owed you $76,000 a year. That's, that's a lot of money. How many know what I'm talking about? And so it's a genuine 
amount of money. It's a genuine offense. It's not like somebody bumped into your car and, or didn't at your car door. This guy is dinning your life. He owes you money. And so he's mad. He finds this fellow servant, and he says, you owe me some money. And a lot of us can relate to this. How many have ever been hurt by someone? They lied to you. They owed you something. They betrayed you. Uh, they talked about you. They stabbed you in the back. They broke some kind of trust. Uh, maybe someone abused you. Someone said something to you. Someone hurt you. Uh, and all of us today, if you've experienced some kind of offense... If you understand being a, a holding an offense against someone, an unforgiving person had genuinely been hurt. And the, the issue is most people that have unforgiveness don't know how to process the hurt, so they hold on to the hurt. And as I look around this congregation, I see people today that you're holding on to hurt today. You're holding on to some hurt in your life. And when you hold on to hurt, let me tell you what happened. You begin to get angry. Because you see this guy got angry when he saw his fellow servant. He said, hey, you owe me. He was so angry, the Bible said, that he seized him and began to choke him. So when you hurt, you hurt other people. And when you hold on to it, you get so angry that you basically want to kill somebody. And this is exactly what this going on in this guy's mind or in his heart. He's so angry that when he sees them, he, he puts his hands around him and begins to choke him. How many of you have ever been hurt by someone and you want to put your hands around them and choke them? Don't raise your hand, okay? And don't raise your hand. But you say, man... Today, there's so many people today that have been hurt and they want to choke somebody out and take their life out. And we get so angry and mad. I was reading a, a statistic about an anger meter. It says if your anger meter was from 1 to 10 um, and someone got you mad, you know, most of us were probably hit about a 2, you know, we're kind of upset. But if they keep doing it, you probably hit a 3. And if they keep doing it again, you probably get a four. And all of a sudden, man, they can take you to six. Are you hearing me? And before you know it, man, by 10, you're going ballistic. You're so mad because this person's been offending you, been saying things to you. And when we hold on to hurt, our meter never goes down. We usually stay around a seven or eight. So it doesn't take a lot to get you ticked off. He said, the person just rang the wrong price. Man, what? I can't believe I, this was the price. Like, hold on a second, man. It is you know, maybe a two, but not a 10. But because you hold on to this thing, your meter is usually about an eight. Oh, man, there's not a lot of amens today, but it's okay. <laughs> the servant was so angry that he put his hands around, began to choke him, basically choking the life out of him and the bible says the fellow servant or the fellow slave fell down he probably was running out of breath and he fell down and when he finally caught his breath he said have mercy on me have patience with me i will repay you saying the exact same words that the other guy had said but instead of showing compassion instead of showing mercy 
This guy did not show the mercy. He did not show the same kindness that was shown to him. These were the same exact words. Remember, just a few hours ago or a few moments ago, the king had forgiven him of this large debt. And he had said the same word, but now he wasn't willing to give the same pardon that was given to him. Now he was in the position of the king, but yet he was unwilling to give forgiveness. See, he was unwilling, unwilling. See, when you're hurt and you're angry, you really begin not to have compassion. You know what the word compassion means? It means to co-suffer. Literally, the word means compassion is compassion to suffer with because you'll be able to relate. In other words, he wasn't getting that guy's perspective. If anyone should was able to identify with that guy, should have been the guy that was choking him, right? He was the recipient of grace. He was the recipient of forgiveness. If anyone should have been able to relate with that guy, it should have been him. But instead of forgiving him and pardoning him, he wanted to get back at him. He was unwilling That word unwilling was he refused or he declined to forgive. It was a choice. See, forgiveness is the choice. You're not forgiving people because you choose not to. You're unwilling. Now, don't get offended. I'm just pointing out. You go, he was pointing at me. I know he was looking at me. I'm just pointing, okay? See, I'm pointing. I'm not pointing at anybody. People are going to be mad at me. I know he was looking at me when he said it. See, he had the power to show compassion, but he didn't show it. He'd been hurt, and he wanted to hurt back. The unforgiving person's experience hurt. He gets angry. He's uncompassionate, and then he becomes irrational, and he wants revenge. When you become irrational, you want revenge. Look at he's so he's so irrational. He said, "Throw him in jail." Now, what what? How's that going to even help him? That guy's not going to be able to pay him. You're in, he's in jail now. He's not going to be able to work for it now. You put him in prison. It's so irrational. No, I I want him to pay for every single. You know, I, I you know what what about working out some payback plan or something? But see, unforgiving person doesn't really want restitution. They want pound per pound. I said pound per pound. Are you ready to rumble? Right? Come on. I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get this guy back. You know what? I, I want him to die. I want him to squirm like a worm in hot ashes. I want him to die like a fly. I want to get back that guy. You know what I'm talking about. You want revenge. Reminds me of this story about a guy who had gotten bitten by a dog, and the dog had rabies. He went to the doctor. The doctor said, this is very serious, and I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but I don't think you're going to make it. We're going to do everything that we can. The man said, okay, give me a, a pen and a, a notebook, and he began to write all kinds of things in there furiously. The doctor said, are, are you making out a will? Are you, are you writing down your last words to loved ones? He said, no, I'm making a list of people that I want to bite. <laughs> Who do you want to bite? <laughs> hey, that's what happens. That's how irrational we are. Unforgiving, we want to bite somebody. We want to get back at people. We grind our teeth. 
Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our sin, part of the Lord's Prayer, as we forgive those who sin against us. The servant was unwilling. Number two, write this down. Unforgiving people have experienced hurt, but unforgiving people are experiencing torment. Now, the other slave that saw what was happening, they went and told the king and said, hey, king, look it. You, you gave this guy mercy. You gave this guy forgiveness. You forgave him on all of this, and this guy only owed him 100 days wages, but he, went, he would not forgive him. See, other people are watching how you hold on to grudges. They see how you do it. Mom, dad, your kids are watching you. Can I be honest today? I see it run in the family. Mom holds on the grudges. Daughter holds on the grudges. The other daughters hold on the grudges. It runs in the family because the mom and dad are the examples. They hold on the grudges. I've seen it in families. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. I've watched it in families. I've watched it in, in, in brothers, sisters, all these, and I said, man, what's up with this family? They all hold grudges. They're all mad, and they're all angry, and they're all upset because the mom started it, the daughter, this daughter, that daughter, that son, it runs in the family. They watch what you do. They handle it and process it the same way you do it. An unforgiving spirit could run in the family. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. That's all right. I'm preaching truth today. They went and told the king. They went and told the king. And what happened? Look at what the response. The king is the Lord. Look at what he says. Verse 32. He said, you wicked slave. I forgave you of the debt because you begged me or you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger. He's angry. You want to get God mad? Hold on to grudges. Have an unforgiving spirit. Handed him over to the torturers, what? Until he should repay all that he owed. Now, it's interesting here that the moment the, the slave decided to hold on to a grudge against someone else, it sealed his fate. In other words, it immediately put him in the torture chamber. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Alcatraz, the prison of Alcatraz. I've been there once. They call it the Rock. Have anybody ever been there? A few of you guys? Yeah, a couple have. I remember going, you know, my wife was saying, why are we going to go to this prison? I said, I just want to go check it out, you know. And they actually had a prisoner there. There was a prisoner there, a guy had spent time there, and they had him talking, and he was talking about his life. I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. And he began to talk about how many of his friends went insane because they, you didn't get a lot of exercise. And then uh, it was, most of the time it was always cold there, even in the summer. And he goes, and if they really wanted to, to torture you in a sense or make, make you... If you gave people a hard time, they would put you on the side of the prison where the wind would always come. And they would give you no blankets. And he began to talk about how torturous it was. And can I just tell you, as bad as Alcatraz was, it's amazing many people of God are suffering the same way with an unforgiving spirit. 
You're chained by your hate. You're shackled by your unforgiveness. You are behind the locked doors of resentment and misery. The worst dungeon that you can be in is the dungeon of unforgiveness. See, the servant made a decision, I will not forgive. And the Bible said they sent him to the torture chamber. In other words, you pull the trigger when you decide to be or go to the torturers. The word torture in Latin means to twist. Kind of like what the rack I was talking about, twist. It's tormenting you. It's twisting you on the inside. It's twisting you in your gut. It's twisting you in your mind. It's ruining your life today. It's hurting you. Now, what are the chief ways that this hurt and all of this begins to work in your life? What happened? So the Bible says in verse 30, it says, you hurt yourself because he was unwilling. In other words, he was reluctant. He was resistant. He was stubborn. I've never met so much stubbornness in people when, it talk, when we talk about forgiveness. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it, Pastor. And you need to forgive. Not going to do it. They're going to apologize first. I'm not apologizing. So stubborn. Pig-headed people, man. I don't know where, where they get this from. And, and it's like, you'll be free. No, I want to be tortured. Put me on the rack. <laughs> Twist it again. Turn it. Crank it. Crank that thing. I refuse to forgive. I want to hold on to this hurt. I want to be captive. I want to be on the rack. Do you see how crazy that is? That's exactly what's happening to us spiritually is we want to be put on the rack. Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. When I first read that, I thought, am I, am I reading this right? Is this a mistranslation? Is this a misprint? I could assure you it is not. It is exactly what it's saying. It's not a misprint. How many people have you known or how many people do you know that hold this unforgiveness in their heart? And yet, we've been forgiven of so much. How many people here, you've, you've sinned in, in thought, action, word, some, even this past week? How many said, man, I, I've sinned, I've, I've done something? Okay. The, those of you that didn't, didn't raise your hand, did you know lying is a sin? <laughs> you, I don't know if you know that. Lying is a sin. So all of us, if we're honest, have done something, right? Said something, thought something. And as Christians, we're going to continue to have a vibrant relationship with God. We've got to let go of unforgiveness. Now, I don't believe that it's dealing so much with our salvation, but I do believe it deals with the power of our salvation. It does deal with the joy of our salvation, the freedom of our salvation, that it affects you, that you're still a child of God, but you're a child of God in the torture chamber. You're a child of God on the rack. This is why when you come to church, there doesn't seem to be any freedom, any real liberty in your life, because you are on the rack. You've chosen, you're unwilling to let it go. 
You're, you do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Amen. You are unwilling. See, you, you're, you're, you're right there, and you choose in your resentment to allow yourself to be in this torture chamber. The Bible says, you wicked slave. Basically, there's no peace. He says, you're going to live in this torture. And I've seen people, physical torture, uh, they get sick because of unforgiveness, spiritual torture. Spiritually, they have emotional torture. I was reading a study, in, uh, I Googled it in, in uh, I think it's John Hopkins Hospital. And they said this, whether it's a simple disagreement with your spouse or long-held resentment toward a family member, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you realize. It may be affecting your physical health. This is a medical study. He said the good news is studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering your risk of heart attack, improving your cholesterol levels, allowing you to sleep better, reducing pain, blood pressure, all levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. You believe this? Forgiveness can do all this for you. But he said, when you hold resentment, he said chronic anger puts you into a, 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 what they call a fight or flight mode, which results in your heart change, your heart rate changes, blood pressure, your immunity responses, all of these increase risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, uh, uh, unforgiveness will cause all these things in your life. So just think about uh, how just health-wise, it's better for you to have forgiveness. Some of you are sick, you're going to the doctor, and they're, giving, they're, they're treating the symptom, but not the real issue. That's your heart. And only God can do that. You need to give it to God. You need to let God heal your heart from this hurt and this pain of unforgiveness. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting the cause of Christ. You're hurting Christ. Did you know that when Paul the apostle, before he became Paul the apostle, he was Saul and he was persecuting the church of God. He was coming against the people of God. He was putting them in prison uh, and he was locking them up. Uh, and, and many times they hear this uh, Saul was coming against the people of God. Finally, when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? In other words, you're hurting me. When you hurt the people of God, you hurt me. You hurt my heart. When you hold unforgiveness, you hurt the heart of God. More churches are destroyed, let me just tell you, because of unforgiveness. People unwilling to forgive other members. The number one sin, I believe, is unforgiveness. The Bible says this in Hebrews 12, 15. See that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by it, many are defiled. So the bit, what happens is unforgiveness turns to bitterness. And bitterness begins to get so deep in your heart. And basically, it begins to poison you. When we're bitter with people, we want the other person to die, but we're the ones that's drinking the poison. I've seen people uh, basically transfer their bitterness to other people. And they're not even, they're, they don't even know the other person, but the other person passes on the bitterness. 
Can I preach this morning? You don't even know that person over there, but this friend of yours told you this person was bad, so you're bitter too. You don't even know them. So you're passing on the bitterness. Passing on the, here, drink this poison. Here, go ahead. Oh, pass it to that guy over there. You don't even know that person. You haven't even met them. You don't know anything about them. But because of this person told you, they've passed on the bitterness. They passed on the poison. Jesus says, by this they shall know you're my disciples if you love one another. Not shove one another. Love. Not shoving. Okay, maybe you misread it. It's loving. It's loving people. See, you're never going to agree on everything. You're never going to agree on everything. You're, even husbands and wives don't agree on everything. There may be people on this side of the room agree with one thing, another side of the room. You're never going to agree on everything, but you can still love each other. You don't have to hold unforgiveness toward one another. Can you say amen? We're going to stand before God one day. Did you hear me? And he's not going to ask you what political party you're from. Oh, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? What are you? Libertarian? What are you? Oh, yeah. People are divided because of politics. Really? How silly is that? How silly is that? You're not going to agree on everything. You're not going to agree on po politics. You're not going to agree on different issues. But let us agree on the word of God, that God's word is still true. People holding unforgiveness on issues and social issues. You got to be kidding me. We're going to stand before God one day. Well, this person said this and that person said that. We, we've got to be willing. You know, one day the Bible says we're going to stand before the throne of God and we're going to give account for every word and every single thing that we've said. And we need to really begin to think, what am I saying? What am I talking about here? How, I need to let go of some things. There's some things I just don't got time for. I don't have time for. I don't, man, I, I, I'm, I'm fighting one enemy. He's the devil. I, I said, he's the devil. I, I, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against a spiritual force, and that's the enemy. The third thing I want you to write this down is unforgiving people need to focus on the grace of God. Maybe, could it be that maybe if you're honest enough right now, You've forgotten what God's done for you. And you're focusing on the hurt rather than focusing on the grace of God. We're focusing on what that other person did, for, did against us rather than what God has done for us. The whole opening of the parable is the slave who stood before the master and he owed him a, 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 an enormous amount of money. In fact, they say that one talent, he, he, he owed them 10,000 talents, but they said that one talent was an enormous amount of money. In other words, it was, uh, he could never pay it back. In fact, I love the way Jesus said stories. Many times he kind of exaggerated so that you could get the picture of what he was trying to say. When he talks about 10,000 talents, uh, many scholars believe it would take you 200 years to pay it back. You could never pay it back. It was such a large debt, it, it, it couldn't be paid back. In fact, when the people heard the story, they said, oh man, how could this, how could this servant owe the king so much money? He could never pay that back. That was the point of Jesus making this statement. 
10,000 talents was ridiculous. It was like 600, uh, or, or, or 600 million pounds of gold. How could you even pay that back? It was an exaggeration. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. It was such an incredible amount that they could never pay it back. It could never be paid back. When we look at what Jesus did for us and how much he forgave us, we could never pay it back. There's no way you could do it. I love the way Isaiah says, he says, I seen the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He says, woe is me, I am, a, I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among people, he said, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's saying, man, I, I'm, I'm so wicked. God, God's done so much for me. What did Jesus do for us? He paid the price for our sin. You could never pay that kind of price. You're not good enough to pay the price. And yet Jesus forgave us of all of these things. He forgave us of so much, but we've lost focus of the grace of God. Let me read you this last part of the scripture that we don't see. This the silent part of the scripture that we don't see. Verse 27, after the king had forgiven the slave, remember when he first forgave him? And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of his debt. Now, if you were forgiven of all of this money, everything that you owed, what would your reaction be? Thank you. You'd be rejoicing. You'd be excited. You'd be, man, thank you, Lord. Thank, I didn't deserve it, right? But instead, immediately, he went and found someone that owed him something and went to choke somebody. See, we don't see the rejoicing. We don't see the gratefulness. We don't see him thanking the Lord. Could it be that we've forgotten what God's done for us? And we're so focused on what everybody done against us rather than what God's done for us. Can you say amen? Man, I'm telling you, when I sing about that song, the goodness of God, I'm thinking, God, thank you for saving me. I don't deserve it. I've said this over and over in this church. I'll be standing right here and I'm saying, God, how did I even get here? I said it this morning. God, how did I even get here this morning? I don't even deserve to be standing there. I don't deserve to be standing here. But thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. The grace of God. The grace of God. I don't forget the grace of God. And if you be honest, you don't deserve to be sitting where you're at today. If it wasn't for the grace of God. Friend, how is it that we've lost focus of what he's done for us? That we can't forgive someone else of what they've done to us? And I'm telling you, all of us in this room, we've been, we've been betrayed, we've been hurt, maybe some even deeper than others, I understand that, but there's no one that's been betrayed more than any of us here than Jesus. The very people that were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, welcome, by the end of the week, they were saying, crucify him. And what do we see the display of God's love? Jesus is on the cross, and his first word is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. He's forgiving people that are not asking for forgiveness. See, that's what we do. I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. No, no. 
they, they don't even need to ask for you. You need to forgive them already. In your heart already. You need to release them. Get off the rack. Get off the torture chamber. And say, I released him already. He's forgiving people that are not even asking for forgiveness. He's forgiving people that only didn't even recognize they did anything wrong. They're not even saying, they're not even admitting, admitting they've done anything wrong. You need to release people and forgive people because Christ forgave you. Somebody say amen. We need to let it go. Get out of the torture chamber. Let it go. Let it go. It's not worth holding on to. I've never met someone who said, man, holding on to that grudge has done me so much good, Pastor. I'm just doing so much better. The more grudges I hold on to, the better my life is. I've yet to meet that person. Oh, I feel so good holding on, hating people and, and wanting to get back at people. And oh man, I'm just doing so good. Praise God. I've never met anybody like that. But I have met people that say, I've, I've let it go. And Jesus set me free. I'm forgiven and I rejoice. I thank God for what he's done. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads real quick and pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for forgiveness. Lord, we're not going to keep score of what people have done to us and wait for them to come and repent and wait for all of that. And then we're, we're going to make it even. I'm, I'm not doing anything till you know, we, they got to make it even. They got to make it right. No, no, I'm forgiving. I'm letting it go. I'm not holding on to grudges. I'm not letting that grudge become anger, become anger in my life where I begin to hate. And it begins to get me sick physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. God, I'm going to start off September and the rest of this year letting go of grudges and hurt. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. We're not saying the hurt is not real. We're not saying... Uh, what people have done to you is not real. What I'm saying is real is you're in the torture chamber. You're on the rack until you let it go. You need to remember what God's done for you. Whatever that person has done to you is not compared to what God has forgiven you. Because all of us, the Bible says, are sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. What I'm preaching here this morning is nothing new. It's in the Bible. And I'm telling you today, don't pass it on to your children. Don't pass it on to your grandchildren. Learn to let it go and forgive people. Don't hold on because Jesus forgave you. And if you're in this building right now, you're in this room, maybe someone invited you, maybe you're here for the first time, I'm telling you, you need forgiveness. You need God's forgiveness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believed in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's all of us in this room. We need God's forgiveness today. The Bible says we all have sin and we fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not even one. You're not good enough on your own merit to make it to heaven. You're not good enough on your good work. You need God's forgiveness. We're all sinners. But there's one king, man, that's willing to forgive you. If you ask God to forgive you today, he will. He'll come in your heart. He'll be Lord of your life. He'll change your life. He'll make you a new person today. You won't be the same. All you have to do is be willing to say, God, I need your forgiveness. Come in my life. Forgive me of my sin. And I'll tell you today, you'll leave here a brand new person. You'll leave here different than you walked in. 
But with every head bowed, every eye closed right now, Christians praying quietly, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness. I need Jesus in my life. I need Christ to come in my life today. You need him in your life today. You've done a lot. But there's a God in heaven that loves you. He's reaching out to you. He's giving you another opportunity today. You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need God's forgiveness. I need the Lord in my life today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone at all in this room? We're not here to embarrass you. We want to pray with you this morning. But if you'll be honest with God, just say, Pastor, I need Christ. I need the Lord in my life. I need God's forgiveness. Again, there's nothing to be ashamed of today. Not in the house of God. You can come to God as you are. But if you'll be honest, say, Pastor, that's me. Raise your hand real quick. We'll pray with you. Back over there. God bless you. Thank you. Back over there. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Be honest with God right now. God's waiting on you. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Who are you? You haven't raised your hand yet. Raise it up right now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. That's me. You're talking to me, man. You're talking to me. Just be honest. If there's any time you need to be honest, it's in the house of God. Be honest with God today. Say, that's me. I need God in my life. Is there anyone else today? Maybe you were once walking with God. At one time, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but you're away from God. Your sin has separated you from God. And you need to come back. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord today. Raise your hand. Say, I need God's forgiveness. I need to make it right with God today. Is there anyone at all right now? You'd raise your hand in this room. Say, that's me. That's me. Just raise your hand right now. Anyone at all. I don't want you to leave here the same way you came in. Today's your day. God's been waiting for you. Is there anyone else right now? You'd raise your hand. You'd raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand together. I want to pray with you. Amen. We're going to have someone pray with you. If you raise your hand back there, you mean that? You mean that? Would you come? Would you just come right down here and we'll have somebody meet you? Somebody raise their hand back there. Amen. This young lady there. We can have somebody come pray. Amen. No, no. Amen. No, gentlemen here. God bless you. Sorry, sir. Amen. We pray with you. Pray with him right here. Who else? Who else? Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? Amen. Would you pray with him, Jesse? Amen. We're going to sing. But before we do that today, before we do that today, I'm going to open this altar. Let's be honest today. You're holding on to something. Unforgiving people have been hurt. You've been hurt. I understand that. It's real. But you need to let it go. You're in the torture chamber. You need to focus on the grace of God. Whatever it may be, this is the time right now during this service to come. Maybe there's some things in your life. You need to process it today. This is the time to do it. We're going to pray. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to point you out. It's not, not time for people to come look and look. It's time to just get right with God. And all, all who needs to know about it is the Lord today. I'm going to open the altar. They're going to lead us in a worship song. I'm going to open this altar. Just come, and we'll make some time to pray with you. And I believe God's going to bring some healing in your heart, in your soul today. Just come. Just come. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.